Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With the start of OTAs, the offseason is winding down. But we are just getting started with our opponent preview shows as we close the book on our same place opponents, this time with the Philadelphia Eagles. How was year one with the new coach and quarterback? And how does the future look? SB Nation's Brandon Lee Gowton joins us on part two of the same place opponent preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Two of the same place opponents show this time with the Philadelphia Eagles to to close the book on the same place opponents and we'll move forward from here to the AFC North then the NFC South what's going on everybody Larry D back for the same place opponent preview part two featuring the Philadelphia Eagles we have Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation from SB Nation to help us uh, break down uh, the Eagles and uh, everything that they were in 2016 and what they what he thinks they will be in 2017 and beyond. Uh, we'll have him on here in just a uh, just a few minutes. Um, recording this on Monday night, so happy Memorial Day, uh, or hope you had a good Memorial Day for those of you hearing this on Tuesday. Um, you know, beautiful weather out here in the Midwest, which during this time of year, it's it's um mother nature can be a fickle bitch this time of the year she really can it can be 80 and amazing not a cloud in the sky or it can be 40 and raining and you know a few degrees less and that rain is snow and you know all that kind of stuff it's the the glory that is spring in the midwest uh so uh but uh you know and then we get to top it off with the summer being so humid outside you want to choke yourself so uh yeah that's yeah I live here for the falls, basically. It's beautiful here in the fall. No humidity, nice cool temperatures, and even when it's warm outside, it's not humid. That that's 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 why I'm out here. But um, anyway, nonetheless, you know, like I said, we'll have Brandon on here in a few minutes to talk about the Eagles and preview uh, what they have to offer uh, going forward. Uh, on the bear side of things, um, they had OTAs uh, last week. A lot of positive words coming out, as one might expect. Um, a lot of it in the direction of Mike Glennon, our quote-unquote starting quarterback for 2017. Uh, just ask uh, Mike Glennon. Um, I did talk about that with uh, with Brandon there for, for a minute or two, how he mentioned in a very short amount of time that 2017 was his year. He is, he is a guy that is living in the present, you know, which is basically all we're, any of us are capable to do, just to be, you know, literal about it. But um you know, that he's not worried about 2018 and the future and so on and so forth. He knows that he's come in and 2017 is his year. That's his year. It's his year. And he said it eight times in a short period of time 
uh, during the, the you know the the post OTA press conference that he had uh, last week. Um, not much being said about Trubisky during the full team uh, OTAs. I mean, it's there's really not much to talk about at this point. I mean, it's it's uh, everybody's in 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 t-shirts and shorts with with helmets and you know there's not a really uh, you know a whole lot going on. We can't talk about how dominant Pernell McPhee is being or how quick Floyd is off the edge and all that kind of stuff because it doesn't matter until the pads come on and we won't see that until training camp starts at the end of July so but uh, things were sounding good Uh, we're seeing some positive things uh, on the offensive side of the ball Uh, I think I mentioned last week that uh, you know not seeing Kyle Long out there right now still um, still recovering from the two offseason surgeries that he had one to repair that labrum in his shoulder and the other to uh, repair the ankle that uh, ended his season week number 10 against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So um, still got some work to do as far as getting recovered. I think he'll be good to go for training camp. I think that's what the word was, but OTAs is pretty much out of the question. So, um, you know, like I said, it's it's not a busy world as far as the, the Bears are concerned. Not a lot of... Uh, headlines no signings or, or anything like that uh, of note or uh, or anything oh what the hell am i saying of course there was we signed victor cruz this week um the the one-time all-star all-pro wide receiver for the new york giants suffered a really bad knee injury in it was either 2014 or 2015 it's been a while um uh, was finally back. I think it was 2014. Actually, it was about mid-season. Uh, was I remember it was Sunday night football. Came down on knee, just tore it up to pieces. Um, and then I think it was like another. Like he was he he came back in 2015, but I think he suffered a, like a hamstring injury of some kind and basically didn't play in 2015. Last year in 2016 was his first year where he was healthy and ready to play, and. According to Victor Cruz, it wasn't because of him that he didn't play. He thinks that McAdoo and the powers that be with the Giants were holding him back for one reason or another. Of course, the Giants deny that wholeheartedly, but that's what Victor Cruz thinks, that he was being held back instead of being allowed to to play and showcase what he can do. Nonetheless, he's, uh, he, took, uh, he took meetings with the Bears and with the Ravens and said that basically he wanted to be with the Bears from the moment he met with them because he felt wanted signs a one-year deal worth two million dollars and worth another two uh in incentives and you know we'll see what happens i mean at least it's it's something to get somewhat excited about uh if victor cruz can be anything like he was uh when he was lighting it up um before the arrival of odell beckham and his knee injury um uh with the giants then um we we may have you just may have had may have just made one of the bigger steals uh, in in the free agency uh, period. So um, you know we'll see. Uh, Victor definitely looks uh, excited. He already had a graphic uh, a graphic artist mock up a a photo of him in live action wearing his Bears uniform already, which actually looked pretty good. Um, and uh, sporting the number eighty. So we'll see if he can actually if he's going to have that number. But um, you know Victor Cruz is a Chicago Bear. And we'll see in this this muck up of a wide receiving core uh, who lands where. I mean, I think the only thing that anyone can bank on at this point is that uh, Cameron Meredith will be starting. He'll be one receiver. I believe Marcus Wheaton, just based on how much money he's making, will probably be the other. 
you know, we got Kendall Wright uh, as well, a former first round pick out of tennis, you know, from the Titans. And now we got Victor Cruz. So, I mean, we're, we're basically doing the same thing with the wide receiving core that the bears have been doing with the secondary. We're not going out there and getting significant names to replace the people that are out there, but we've got definite, we definitely don't have an issue with bodies. That is for sure. So we, we've added Victor Cruz, Marcus Sweeten. We got Kendall Wright. We've already got Cameron Meredith. We still have a mystery man in Kevin White, and who actually, that's the other headline I should bring up, uh, isn't practicing yet uh, in OTAs. And, and the, the word is, nothing is wrong with him. The Bears basically don't trust him at this point. <laughs> they are keeping him safe. They want him healthy in training camp as opposed to you know doing something that's going to risk him injuring himself uh, in OTA. So I would think that uh, we don't see Kevin White at all uh, until uh, late July when training camp kicks off in uh, in Bourbon A. So no, no Kevin White just yet. We've added Victor Cruz. You know, this is the wide receiving core along with Deontay Thomas, Thompson and uh, Josh Bellamy, who hopefully doesn't see much time uh, at wide receiver this year. But, it, you know, just like on the other side of the ball, you know, we have DeAndre Hall. We have Kyle Fuller coming back, uh, you know, should be healthy and ready to go. Will Fuller be a safety? Will he stay at corner? We got Prince of Mucamara, Marcus Cooper now. Uh, you know, those are slated to be our starting corners uh, at this point. And then, you know, it just basically we're going to throw whatever at the wall. Maybe DeAndre Hall is a backup corner. Maybe he ends up being a safety. We, we drafted Eddie Jackson. We still have Adrian Amos. We signed Quentin Demps. Uh, you know, bodies are not the issue for the Bears. It's the quality that is going to be produced by these bodies that most Bear fans, including myself, are concerned with uh, at this point. So we'll have to, uh, as I always like to say over and over, we'll have to wait and see. So uh, anyway, that's all the headlines and news that, I can, uh, that I've got here uh, for our beloved. Victor Cruz is on board, and uh, Kevin White isn't practicing yet. So we'll see how that all shakes out uh i'm very very interested to see what happens with kevin white because this is definitely make or break i mean never mind the bears you know picking up his fifth year option which is what they'll have to do before the start of his fourth year which will be next year believe it or not um never mind that will he even be on the team heading into his fourth season because you got to think he missed all but four games in the first two seasons if he's bad and or hurt again this year, you got to think the Bears maybe even trade him away for a late round conditional pick of some kind or just cut him uh, altogether, especially if Victor Cruz or Marcus Wheaton or, you know, you know, anybody else in that uh, slew of receivers that we do now have on the roster for the moment. If any of them work out better than Kevin White is, because if, if you look at who we have, legitimately Kevin White is the only number one receiver on the team, but he's a high draft pick who hasn't lived up to his stock yet. Victor Cruz was a number one receiver, but because of injuries, you know, stop me if you've heard this one before, you know, may or may not be what he once was. Cameron Meredith is a star in the making. If he can keep progressing, Marcus Wheaton was, you know, was a, a role player for the, for the Steelers, uh, you know, and I can go on and on. It, it really, do, we don't have a number one guy. It very much is the pre-Brandon Marshall wide receiving core again, where we're trying to make guys like Devin Hester, who's probably better served to be a three or a four, trying to make him a number one uh, receiver. And that's kind of what the, the, the mode that the Bears are in right now. 
with their wide receiving core. We, we've got a bunch of guys. One of them is going to emerge to be the best, but you know, is that really, are you the best or are you the equivalent of being the world's tallest midget? So, you know, you're still a midget, even though you're taller than the rest of them. It's just, it doesn't really, it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other uh, kind of thing. So anyway, that is all that I do have for Bears news and notes uh, at this moment. Uh, going forward after this week's show with Brandon uh, Lee Gouton, we do move on to the AFC North and I've got uh, people lined up uh, for everyone, all four teams, the, the Ravens, the uh, Steelers, the Browns and the Bengals. And, um, you know, we'll be, um, I think that I am, I think that I'm talking to Josh Edwards from 24 seven sports about the Browns this weekend. So over the weekend will be when that show comes out. And then we've got Kyle Phelps for the Bengals. Uh, and I have a commitment from Ravens wire from USA today, AKA where, where I found Lauren Cox for bears wire and so on. I have a commitment from them that someone will be on the show. I just don't know who it will be yet. And um, also have the the editor-in-chief for the uh, Steelers page on SB Nation. He will be our guest to close it out. So it'll be the the Browns, the Bengals, the Ravens, and then the Steelers in that order with the AFC North going from worst to first, starting this weekend with the Cleveland Browns and Josh Edwards from 24-7 Sports. So that's what we have to look forward to. And then, of course, the NFC South. Then our NFC North divisional opponents before we close things out probably around mid-July, so we'll have about a two-week break or so before training camp and the preseason uh, begin. So still lots to go through, lots to talk about, lots of new guests to have on the show, and this is how we manage to get ourselves through this dead period of summer as we try to get through these useless months. Like, I've always hated summer because I've always been a big guy. I hate hot temperatures. I don't like going outside during the summer. It's the bane of my existence, so... Uh, this time of year can really just suck it, really. I, 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 I'm not a fan of summer. Spring, awesome when the weather cooperates. But for the most part, summer I've always hated because it's just so damn humid where I live. So going outside is like, why bother taking a shower? Because you've got swamp ass when you're walking to the car five seconds after you walked out the door. So it's, uh, it's almost pointless. You know? You're just hosing yourself down for the next layer of filth to be pouring off of you as you're walking from your vehicle. So it's, uh, it's kind of a... A waste. So now that I'll step down off my soapbox about how much I hate summer, we're going to go ahead and bring in Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation to talk to us about the Philadelphia Eagles and what he thinks they can do in 2017. Brandon, welcome back to the Chicago Bears Review. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So last year, we were supposed to talk for week two because our our beloved squads were meeting each other on Monday Night Football. It was the first uh, appearance nationally for uh, Carson Wentz. I was thinking that it would be a far more competitive game than it ended up being, but it was uh, basically a game that kind of sealed the fate for the type of season the Bears were going to have and 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 kind of raised expectations for what the Philadelphia Eagle fans maybe were expecting from their rookie quarterback but game two week two national tv Monday night spotlight Carson Wentz kind of comes out and uh you know shows why the Eagles gave up uh future draft choices to take him absolutely it was a it was a very promising start 
uh, to the season for Carson Wentz. And with that game specifically, it was interesting because, as you mentioned, it was his first moment in the spotlight. You know, the Eagles had played the Browns and they had they had won in week one. And it was a pretty impressive showing from Carson Wentz in that game, especially with the whole factor that you know, the Eagles made the trade with the Browns up to number two to get him. So that kind of uh, wasn't the best look for Cleveland <laughs> last last year to start right. the season. But but to go into week two and then have that pressure of the national game and and I thought that was going to be a tough game uh, heading into it because I just I always feel like Soldier Field is just the quality is not always so great and I feel like uh, the Eagles have had some troubles there in past years and it's been like a frustrating place to play for so so for him to come in there and, and march in on Monday Night Football and kind of just look the part um you know I think it was a it was part of that early season magic that the Eagles had going on where you know they kind of just I feel like a lot of people were really down on the Eagles coming into the season with. You know, all of the turnover and Chip Kelly gone and Doug Peterson being an unproven head coach and then you know the Eagles making that trade with Sam Bradford to the Vikings and all of a sudden after Carson Wentz misses like the whole preseason pretty much uh, and and all of a sudden he's named the starter just like eight days before the season you know there's expectations were low so for so for them to come in and, and have that kind of performance it kind of just surprised people a lot. Yeah, first three games out of the gate, twenty nine to ten, a win over the Browns, no big surprise there, but. 29 to 14 on the road at Chicago to beat the Bears like that and then to back that up at home in state rival 34 to 3 squashing of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, it really looked like the Eagles were were on their way and then, you know, when when the schedule comes out, you're always looking for two things. What games do you have on national TV and when is the bye week? And the bye week really couldn't have come at a worse time for the Eagles. That 3 and 0 momentum that they had you know, then they have to go on that early bye week, week number four, and then they come out week five against the Lions. And basically they have their, they have the game won for the most part, but then Stafford and company pull off the, the late win, and then Carson Wentz throws his first interception of the year, and the, the Eagles have their first loss of the season. Yeah, it was, uh, man, the, to go back to the early season and to see how well they did, again, it was just so surprising. And then all of a sudden uh, – that bye week man that was killer and here's the funny thing about that notice how this year the nfl is did did away completely with the week four bye so i think they even acknowledged like that was kind of like screwing the eagles like they had something going there and then that bye happened and then it didn't also help that the eagles lost lane johnson they're starting right tackle probably one of the best players on the entire team just a dominant right tackle uh they lost him to the for 10 games due to a suspension and right and that really yeah that was huge that that you look at the splits with uh with lane johnson the eagles with lane johnson versus the eagles without lane johnson and it's just such a big difference and even just watching the game you could see because the eagles were forced to put in um fifth round uh rookie out of tcu hala Vadi vitai as a mouthful we just call him wow. big v but um yeah uh they had to put him in and all of a sudden he gets like destroyed in the first game against Washington and Ryan Kerrigan just mauls him. And then all of a sudden he kind of picks it up. He doesn't like get exposed every week, but you could tell the whole offense took a step back because the Eagles had to do so much just to make sure that he wasn't an issue. They had to, they had to shift extra help over that way. And then throughout the season, Carson Wentz's offensive line is just in shambles and, and Ryan Matthews for as talented as he is, he just fumbling. He fumbled the Detroit game away when the Eagles had that one and, and he can't stay healthy, and then all this, all all the while, you have all these issues going on. And Carson Wentz is throwing uh, the second most 
pass attempts of any rookie quarterback ever to the, like pretty much the NFL's worst group of wide receivers with Nelson Aguilar, who has been a total bust and hasn't shown anything, and Doriel Green-Beckham, who the Titans gave up on for one year after taking him in the second round for pretty much nothing. So it was just it was a very ugly situation. I know it sounds like I'm making excuses for Carson Wentz. Um, he definitely needs to play better, but there were some there were some serious factors that went into that uh, that just that losing streak that went on. Well, the concerns that you have for Wentz, or you know the excuses if you want to call them that, uh, that you were making about the wide receiving core, the same concerns that I had about the Bears drafting a quarterback this year, you know, because Alshon is gone, because all we have is. Uh, an undrafted rookie free agent in Cameron Meredith. And granted, he has been very good for an undrafted rookie, but he's, you know, he doesn't have the pedigree. Uh, Josh Bellamy, who earned the nickname Butterfingers. And, you know, we've got special teamers in fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receivers that are that are starting. And granted, we, the, the guys that we went out and got are cast-offs from other teams. They're not first-team players. And it's like I just didn't think this team was ready for a young quarterback, and then we went out and got one. So, you know, I have huge concerns about – not the, his ability to play, but the ability of the team around him to play with him. Uh, and he traded thing. up too. I, that, yeah, that's the part that's yeah, man. and gave up How those those, those three draft choices. <laughs> I was not happy about the oh. the cat. Number one, I, I like didn't I didn't want a quarterback, regardless of who it was, Trubisky, right. uh, Watson, you know, Kaiser, whoever. It didn't matter. I didn't want the quarterback. Not this year, anyway, or definitely not in the first round. And um, you know, not only did we do that, we gave up two third rounders and a fourth to to make that move when he we could have sat there at, at three and gotten him if we really wanted to but um uh, you know it's still it still annoys me so but one more thing that i wanted to talk about before we uh you know move into the off season was um so you you have that three and oh start you have that buy which seems to kill your early momentum then then two close games against washington and detroit and now you're three and two and then you're playing the undefeated vikings and you come out, and basically you're the first team that, that figured out that Viking puzzle. They were 5-0. and They come in, and basically the, the Eagles ragdoll the, the Vikings. And, you know, the, the, the Bears were playing the Vikings the week after that. And I was going to ask Chris Gates from um, the Daily Norseman, you know, did, did the Eagles expose the Vikings, or did the Vikings just have a bad day? Well, we found out the the easy way <laughs> on Monday Night Football when the Bears beat the crap out of the Vikings the following week that, um, you know, that I, it looked like the Vikings were having some issues, but it was the first, it was the, the Eagles first that did that. And I was very impressed by what they did and, and how they were able to handle a team that was, you know, basically unstoppable going into that game. Yeah, what the Eagles did against the Vikings, Vikings in that game was really just take advantage of a terrible offensive line and and that also showed the the just the strength that the Eagles have of a a very strong front four and a strong front seven really as a whole and and for as much as the Eagles had a weakness at cornerback kind of didn't matter if the pressure was getting there I mean then as soon as as soon as um you know the ball is snapped and Sam Bradford's dealing with a bunch of guys just in his face and he's not you know the most elusive quarterback there so um, he's making bad decisions. He's throwing passes that get contested, and and the secondary is having an easy time just picking him off. Yeah, it was really uh, a good showing by the Eagles. Uh, their their biggest strength is definitely that defensive line when it's on. It wasn't consistent all year, which is part of the issue. But when it was on, uh, that defensive line, and and then even just moving forward now that the Eagles spent a first round pick uh, on Derek Barnett, and you still have Brandy Graham here. And you have Vinnie Curry coming back after kind of being hurt last year 
and the Eagles traded for Tim Jernigan to replace Benny Logan, who's and Jernigan has been a much better pass rusher throughout his career. So, you know, the Eagles, um, they believe in building through the trenches, especially with Jim Schwartz here. You know, he's all about that defensive line and getting right. pressure with the front four. So to, to have that kind of game is kind of almost like the, the blueprint of what the Eagles want to do obviously i don't think they're going to get like eight sacks or whatever they, they got in that game every week but that's kind of what uh their model of success is you know especially at a time where the offense wasn't so good you know they really needed their defense to kind of just win that defensive line uh matchup and kind of just create total havoc for the offense and then after the the victory over the vikings it kind of seven out of the last eight were losses and ironically enough that one victory was against the falcons who uh, ended up obviously going to the Super Bowl and, and then falling asleep at the wheel uh, in the second half to, to, to blow that game. And then you finish off the year with, with divisional wins over the Giants uh, and, the, uh, and the Cowboys to finish, what, 6-10, and 7-9? 7-9. 7-9, there you go. Um, so, you know, considering what people thought of the Eagles going into the season – you know, I know that Eagles fans aren't happy with seven and nine, but it's better than what a lot of people were thinking, considering the move that they made, the draft capital they gave up to get Carson Wentz and so on and so forth. And yet Carson Wentz comes out and proves that, you know, small school, small school, you know, he comes out and he performs like a like a pro from day one and gives you guys a lot to look forward to going to 2017 and beyond. Yeah, there's certainly promise there to uh, seven and nine was disappointing in, in the sense that you know the Eagles had just gone 7-9 the season before and you know it's been a while since they've made the playoffs and, and actually won in the playoffs I believe it's been since like 2008 or so since they've won in the playoffs so it's been wow. a long time um you know the patience is wearing thin in some re- some regards obviously the expectations were lowered when you know Doug Peterson rookie head coach Carson Wentz rookie quarterback and the plan you know people have to remember here's the whole thing about Carson Wentz is that the plan was to sit him the whole season or at least most of it you know the Eagles had Sam Bradford they had Chase Daniel they wanted Carson Wentz to kind of learn on the bench or at least you know kind of uh, start the season on the bench and then maybe take over later but they they certainly weren't uh, planning to throw him into the fire that early it kind of just worked out that way because of the Bradford trade which fell into their lap so uh, so for the season as a whole it was a positive and and even like you look at seven and nine, and I, and I really think they were so close to being, you know, eight and eight or nine and seven. Which who knows? Maybe they were, they were just very, like they just missed out on that wild card spot. Because when you look at like their point differential, it's the ninth best in the league. You look at their turnover differential, it's the seventh best in the league. Like those are some good metrics there. And and uh, teams that seem to historically kind of under like they have a better point differential than their record it seems like they usually kind of bounce back the next year because that kind of evens out there but uh the other thing you mentioned too is the, is the defense and the, specifically that performance against the falcons i mean that was crazy because for as, as much as uh, often as people want to say that the eagles don't have a great defense or and and obviously there's some flaws here it's not like they're the uh top unit in, in the nfl but the eagles limited the falcons who were like clearly quite clearly the best offense in, in the NFL to like a season low in points, um, net yards, first downs, offensive plays run, and time of possession. Um, so like they, they, they just totally shut that offense down. So And another good stat for you is that the Eagles, I think they allowed the fewest amount of touchdowns at home uh, the entire season. So there was, there was clearly some potential with this defense, and along with Carson Wentz obviously getting off to that good start. So there, there's some things here to be excited about moving forward. 
uh, it's going to be interesting to see, like, can they build on that potential in year two or kind of is this thing going to stagnate? Are they not going to be able to build upon it? Well, looking at their, their free agent moves, it definitely looks like they were out to help uh, Carson Wentz. They go out and they get Torrey Smith. They get uh, Alshon Jeffrey. May he rest in peace. And um, you get a couple of uh, pieces for the offensive line, Chance Warmack, Steven Wisniewski. And then the biggest signing I thought, or at least the most significant, is LeGarrette uh, Blunt. You know, signed him, what, 10 days ago to – to uh to bolster your your running back core so you no longer have to rely on on ryan matthews you're going back to more of the uh the 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 setup that you wanted in 2015 uh when you had demarco murray and you know uh ryan matthews back there uh to kind of had a a a one-two punch and everything it's like everything except for signing chris long was an offensive free agent move yeah, the, the blunt signing was big because the Eagles left the 2017 NFL draft without like, like a real uh, starter running back. They, they they drafted, they traded up to draft Donnell Pumphrey, who I think is a nice player, but I don't really think he belongs as a, a guy who's handling your workload because he's going to be, what, like 176 pounds. So um, the Eagles had him. They had Darren Sproles, who obviously is never a lead guy, a, a nice player, a very nice player, but just not that lead back. And then Wendell Smallwood is a fifth-round pick last year. Not so sure. He's an automatic lead guy. So they, they needed a lead guy, and Ryan Matthews wasn't likely to be back because, again, he's, he's he has fumble issues. He can't stay healthy. Uh, we don't even know his health status because he kind of suffered a neck injury late in the season, and we don't even know if he's ever going to play again. We kind of don't know the full deal there. We just... Uh, we're pretty sure the Eagles are going to cut him, and obviously will at this point now that Blunt's in the building. So uh, Blunt was a big addition, even if it's just one year, to be that stopgap guy, uh, give some relief to Carson Wentz, a guy you can hand off to. Had 18 touchdowns last year. I'm not expecting him to to exactly replicate that uh, here. Obviously, you know the Patriots are one of the they are the best team in the NFL. They won the championship. They're going to put Blunt in a lot of scoring positions more so than the Eagles probably will, but still. I know uh, he should help the team out in short yarded situations in the red zone. And those are some areas where the Eagles struggled last year. So to have a player like Blunt and add him, it's big. Uh, and, and then just the offensive weapons as a whole, you know, adding Alshon is huge for us because as much as, uh, you know, you want to say the suspensions are concerned and the hamstring and the soft tissue injuries are concerned and they are like, there's no question about that. And I think that's a very valid concern at the same time. Again, like you look at this Eagles receiving core last year, and it was awful. I, I'm, I'm convinced it was the worst in the NFL. So to to have that, sh- just to have a shot at a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, who when he's at his best is very good. I mean, yeah. that's exactly what Carson Wentz needs. He needs that big body wide receiver who can kind of bail him out sometimes. Uh, I mean, obviously you know better than I have, and you've seen it better than I have that you know Alshon's a guy who can go up and get it, and you know you don't always have to have your quarterback make the most accurate pass. He can. He can kind of bail uh, his passers out there. So to, to add a blunt uh, and to add an Alshon uh, to this offense, it's huge for the team. Uh, it's huge for Carson Wentz, and I think that's that's the whole the whole goal here is to, in year two, uh, Carson Wentz really needs to step up. I think we see a lot of players take their biggest NFL jump from year one to year two, and right. I think the Eagles are, are trying to assist him you know, with that by, to, by giving him actual weapons to work with. And, you know, that's that's the frustrating thing uh, about Alshon Jeffrey is that, especially in the last couple of years, 2015, uh, 2016, after we let go of Brandon Marshall and and um, and uh, our, our tight end, 
whose name I'm blanking on. I can't believe it. Thank you. Martellus Bennett. <laughs> um, you know, letting guy. you know, we became a lot less more dynamic in the passing game. Um, Alshon, when he was healthy, was the best player on the field. And the problem was he was either injured or last year he was suspended for four games. And it turned out to be a pretty significant four game stretch when, when we lost him. Cause it's like we were in those games and really could have used Alshon uh, in those in those moments, so that's what's maddening about him is that when he's on the field, he's he's lights out. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL, arguably. And but the problem is him staying consistently on the field was an issue last year. It wasn't health, but it was other stuff that kept him off the field. The year before, he played seven or eight games out of you know, including the preseason, like nineteen. He played less than half of the games uh, in the season, so. You know, if he can stay healthy, you guys have really got something, um, you know, a, a really great weapon uh, for Carson Wentz. So I just hope that for whatever reason, he's not good to go week 12. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So you move into the draft, and thanks to that Sam Bradford trade that did fall into your laps, you had <laughs> you got a first-round pick back uh, out of the deal. And uh, a fourth-round pick in 2018 still. Oh, nice, nice. And, um, you know, so you, you, you're, you're picking in the top, 15 uh and at 14 you get Derek Barnett uh to Tennessee and like you said bolstering that defensive line with Jim Schwartz out there can't have enough pass rushers uh especially coming off the edge and then the surprising one was taking the gamble on Sidney Jones in the second round now many people don't really consider that to be too much of a gamble because this guy would have definitely gone in the first round had he not blown out his Achilles during his his pro day but to take that gamble with a guy that just hurt his uh his Achilles, you know, what, five, six months ago at the most, uh, to take him with a second-round pick, that's a high-value pick, and to take him uh, in the second round says a lot about what they think, A, how he's going to recover and what he'll be capable of when he does. Yeah, the Eagles have said he was a top-ten player on their board, so obviously they felt very good about him. But uh, personally, you know, I, I think it's concerning. I, I love Sidney Jones prior to the injury, and I, I would have been quite okay with the Eagles taking him at number 14 in the first round. But the injury is just, you know, it's a it's a big question mark. Um, I'm on, I'm obviously I'm not privy to all the information. I'm not a doctor, and and maybe he he gets back and he's fine. But I kind of just don't want to assume that. You know, there's uh, we don't we don't know. There's a lot of unknown here, and I, I'm certainly not among the people who are who are just being like, all right, you know, we'll just wait a year and he'll be back and he'll be 100. percent And and I hope it's the case for the kid. Obviously, I don't I don't wish anything against him. I, I obviously hope it works out, but. I'm kind of just skeptical, especially seeing some of these reports that like, oh, he's already ahead of schedule and he might play this season. And and honestly, if I'm the Eagles, I mean, I have no motivation to even play him this year because for as much as they need cornerback help, uh, Sidney Jones is going to miss all of OTAs. At the very least, he's going to miss all of training camp. He's not going to have that off season to really get adjusted to the NFL. And I think throwing him into the fire in the middle of the season really isn't going to do the team or him personally much good. So I think um, you keep him out the whole year. And the extra benefit with that, too, is uh, all of a sudden at the end of his contract in four years, unlike a regular player who's going to into unrestricted free agency at that point, uh, because he missed his rookie season, he would be a restricted free agent. So that would kind of give the Eagles more leverage in keeping him in the future. I know that's really down the road, but, but I just feel like that's another benefit uh, they would have to keeping him off the field. I think, you know, at his best, yes, Sidney Jones can be a really good player, but it's a big risk. I'm not going to just sit here and be like, uh, uh, the Eagles swindled everyone, and 
Uh, they just have to be patient. And all of a sudden, you know, in a year, he'll be a total stud. So I'm kind of cautiously optimistic. We'll see with that, but I'm not going to assume anything. Well, they went ahead and they doubled down in the third round by going out and getting a guy, uh, Razul Douglas, uh, the corner out of West Virginia. The reason that that name um, is somewhat significant to me is that all the mock drafts and everything at one point in the third or the second, late second or third, you know, that kind of thing, all had the Bears taking Douglas at one point uh, in the draft. So I was very familiar with that name when I heard it coming off the board. And then that pick in the fourth round, that's the one that I was watching the draft on the NFL Network. Mike Mayock and, 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 all, and Charles Davis and all those guys went nuts when the Eagles took Mac Hollins out of North Carolina in the fourth round. Number one, basically you're saying that he – he should have gone higher as far as his talent level is concerned. And this was a big, like this was a big boost to your special teams, or at least that's what they thought he would be uh, going into his rookie season for you guys. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Cause a lot of people are like, they hear the special teams thing. And I think Mike Mayock said he's pretty much like the best special teams player yeah. in terms of coverage yeah. guys in the whole draft. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. Um, and I think a lot of people heard that and they're like, Oh no, like what are the Eagles doing? They got this special teams wide receiver only in the fourth, round and I, and I think that's kind of really a, a misconception there because you look at his college numbers and Matt Collins wasn't a volume guy by any means he only had 18 or sorry 81 catches in his four seasons at North Carolina but man he made big plays he averaged 20.6 yards per reception and uh, nearly a fourth of his touchdowns 20 of his 81 receptions were touchdowns so that's 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 huge like he's, yeah. he's clearly a big play guy um, I think and the thing with special teams isn't insignificant at all because you know what's your path as a rookie to getting on the field right away it's playing special teams so he'll be active on game day like pretty much a lock um, because he's going to be contributing on special teams and if he plays well there I'm sure the Eagles will be uh, more willing to give him some snaps on offense I don't think I don't know if he ever really becomes a starter or anything again because I look at those volume stats and I don't know if he's that kind of guy who uh, you're going to be able to play all game long but he, at the very least he looks like a guy who can make big plays uh, he's a big target he has good size and it really goes back to that whole theme of just helping Carson Wentz it's, it's giving him another big target to work with so you know maybe all of a sudden Austin Jeffrey gets hurt or you know gets suspended and I'm not saying Matt Collins is going to be a one-for-one -one replacement by any means but at least you have a guy who kind of profiles as that bigger guy big play guy jump ball guy and at the very least he can help you out on special teams so that that definitely was an interesting pick there uh, i think a lot of eagles fans were kind of down on it because of the special teams thing that they heard mayock say but uh, i'm kind of cautiously optimistic i like what i've seen out of him out of otas so far it seems to be catching everything and just a nice big target well you know i thought it was definitely a positive on his resume to hear that that Mayock thought he was the best special teamer, you know, uh, special teams player on the on the board, considering that he was taken in the fourth round. And when you're picking guys in those later rounds, you know, the last thing that you want to hear is, well, he's, you know, like you, you hear the, you know, receivers getting taken in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Well, this guy's going to have to learn how to play special teams if he wants to make the team kind of thing. Whereas Mac Hollins apparently has that already knocked he basically has to learn how to be a better receiver but he'll make the team because he's a knockout special teams uh player i would prefer to hear something like that as opposed to hearing this guy that we drafted in the sixth round is for the most part a throwaway pick because he's not good enough to be taken in a significant round and he's going to have to learn how to play special teams otherwise it's a way for draft choice so i would much rather be in the mac hollins category than in the other you know this guy's going to have to learn how to play special teams to make the squad 
Absolutely. Uh, I think Hollins is, is a really nice addition again, just because the the low kind of bust factor, I feel like at the very least, they'll be a good special teams player. And that's, you know, that's something to have there. And, and as you said, not only make the team, but be active on game day right away. Like compare that to a guy who I think the Eagles were a lot more excited or Eagles fans rather were a lot more excited about. And that was Shelton Gibson in the fifth round there. He's a big play guy. He can be, you know, also like Hollins, but, you know, probably more so him. I think he's a little faster, uh, kind of has that Deshaun Jackson profile, clearly maybe like a very, very poor man's Deshaun Jackson. So Eagles fans kind of got excited about that pick, but I'm going through on bleedinggreennation.com and I'm making like a depth chart for the Eagles and trying to project where things fall. And I'm like, I don't know if Gibson's even going to be active right away because if he can't really play special teams, and he might be able to because he, he can return kicks, so we'll see how that goes. But if not, you know, uh, Holland is clearly going to be active over him on game day just because of the special teams factor. Right. And then the last one that I want to talk about was, you mentioned him earlier, the Donnell Pumphrey. He was the one that broke the rushing record, right? Absolutely, yeah. That was him, right. Okay. But he's also you know, like 170 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's very small. He's like Darren Sproles, you know, is very short. But Darren Sproles is like a, a mini tank. You know, that yeah. guy is built. Like Donnell Pumphrey is just small. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Garrett Wolf, the a guy the Bears drafted out of Northern Illinois uh, in, in 07. He was like 5'7", 170 pounds, but he was dynamite in, in, in lower-level Division I uh, footballs. And he stuck around with the Bears for a few years, but it not at, he, we took him in the third round. That was a huge mistake. But, um, you know, and then um, we also drafted somebody like that this year in Tariq Cohen, who was a smaller school yeah. guy, but like you said, he's a volume guy. He put up a lot of yards, put up uh, big numbers, and um, you know, he was basically uh, supposed to be uh, the way that some Bear fans like to rationalize it was that uh, Trubisky was um, Ryan Pace is our general manager. He that mm. was that's his Drew Brees, uh, <laughs> uh, Shaheen the the tight end we took in the second round. That's his Jimmy Graham, and this kid Tariq Cohen. That's his Darren Sproles. You're so, set. The, yeah, so we're good to go. You know, we, we <laughs> all we got to do is just line them up and take them down after that. So it's like I, I hope this all works out because I was looking at a defensive heavy draft. We made one defensive draft choice uh, out of the five picks that we had after we gave up those three. So, um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I just don't know, man. So anyway, <laughs> we go into the schedule here, and and I always love doing this is looking at a. Uh, looking at a schedule uh, for teams uh, and such, and, and always kind of try to find the patterns in how the games uh, are laid out. And apparently the NFL is a huge fan in clustering up the road games uh, for the Eagles because you start three out of four on the road, yeah. and then after your week 10 bye week, three out of four on the road again, and then for the second year in a row you got back-to-back home games to uh, finish out the, uh, the season. So... Um, you know, at Washington, at Kansas City. So you got a division game and then one of the better teams in the AFC on the road to get started. Home for the Giants and then cross country to the Chargers uh, in Los Angeles instead of San Diego this time around. And that's the first quarter of the season for the Eagles. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a very not friendly in that sense of the, the four road games when you look at it right away. Um, at the same time, I kind of love Washington in week one for the Eagles because they haven't been able to beat them since 2014. It's been way too long, and that's very rare that Washington's able to dominate the Eagles like that. It's been very weird. So so for the Eagles 
to kind of have that game circled on their calendar all off season long. I kind of just love that, that they're like, you know what, we're going to end the streak here. We're going to start the season on a good note. I think they're going to want that game <laughs> more than Washington in that case. Um, but yeah, like going to Kansas City is going to be tough. Uh, the Eagles pretty much own the Giants in recent years. I think they're like uh, they're like 18 and and six or something in the last 24 wow. or no 14. Sorry, it's 14 and four in their last 18. So they pretty much just dominated them. I'm kind of not too scared about them i know they had a good season last year but uh i'm not really like super afraid of the giants and then uh, the chargers um who knows i mean uh i don't know what the i, I feel like that game's gonna be weird to me just because of the the stadium situation like yeah they're with, playing with in being a, a new yeah they're, uh, they're yeah they're playing in one of those mls soccer stadiums that's where yeah. they're gonna be playing for the it's, first couple exactly years. it's gonna be small and I just feel like, you know, are there even going to be a lot of fans there? Maybe. And I don't know. It just feels like, you know, with the the team just moving there, it doesn't feel like it's going to necessarily be the most hostile place to play. So I'm kind of interested to see how that plays out. Well, you know, I, I, I too, am very interested in, in seeing how that all pans out just because anytime I happen to flip through channels and I catch an MLS game on uh, on like ESPN or Fox Sports or whoever just happens to, to have it, those stadiums that were built to be MLS stadiums, are very intimate. The fans are practically on the field, so I'm I'm kind of wondering what kind of factor, if any, that might play uh, in in the Chargers uh, game. And then you can never be, you know, can never get too cocky about an East Coast team going west or a West Coast team, especially when you're going all the way uh, across the country. I mean, it's one thing if Philly was going to Chicago; it's another thing entirely when they're going when they're you know doubling down and going all the way across the all the way across the uh, all the way across the country. So. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how that's going to be, how intimate, how, you know, how close, I mean, is, are the Chargers going to have the support where it matters, you know, in those, yeah. in those games? And, you know, will that be a factor at all, even though it's only going to be about 30, 35,000 at the most in that little soccer stadium, how loud will that 30,000 be? And will it have any kind of effect on the, uh, on the outcome? So, uh, in the second quarter, you got, you got your first two nationally televised games, your, you're home for Arizona, then you're at Carolina Thursday night football, which, you know, of course, we talked about the color rush last year. I hope that that tradition dies because I can't stand it. <laughs> then you got your Monday nighter against the Redskins, so you finish off early with the Redskins. You're done with the Redskins week yeah. seven, done on Monday night football, and then you got you go. So you start three out of four on the road for the first four games. Then in the second half, there you got three out of four at home, home for Arizona, at Carolina, home for the Redskins on Monday night, and then home for the Forty ers yeah, I'm looking at that Cardinals game right now, and I just I don't really know what Arizona is going to even do. Uh, yeah, uh, with it's... with Carson Palmer's turning 38, and he seemed like he he might retire this offseason. He didn't, but he he seemed like to be giving it some thought. So like I don't know how that's going to work out. Uh, Palmer obviously was like almost like MVP numbers in 2015, but last last year I mean not so good. And again, he's 38, so I don't I don't know how much he even has left in the tank. And then the Panthers, I have no idea what to make of them, <laughs> good or bad. Like right. They were not good last year. They were super good the year before. I really don't know. I mean, it can, I think Cam could easily bounce back. I also think they could just they might be closer to the team. Last year, I have no idea how that one goes. I think the fact that it's in Carolina, you know, doesn't help the Eagles. But I honestly just that's one of the games on the schedule. I just look at and I'm like, I have no idea uh, how to predict this one or or what this Panthers team is going to be. And then Washington, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that they've given the Eagles a lot of trouble. So I think, at the very at the in the best case, I think the Eagles split with them. I just <laughs> I can't see them suddenly winning two over Washington because they've for whatever reason 
uh, Kirk Cousins and just the whole team has had the Eagles number for some reason. I mean, the games have been close. It's not like, or some of them have been at least. It's not like been total blowouts, but man, they just they haven't been able to beat Washington. And as far as the 49ers go, I think uh, <laughs> I think that's one of the safest. Of course, they say this now, and it'll change during the season. But on paper, at least, uh, you know, it looks like this San Francisco team isn't going to be so good with uh, Brian Hoyer, who obviously Bears fans are familiar with, yeah. and uh, Matt Barkley there. I just, uh, I still think they don't have a lot of talent. No, I definitely agree. I, I, I talked to the uh, to the the San Francisco girls last week, and um, you know, they they feel happy that the, the franchise finally has direction again mm-hmm. but they're not exactly you know like they're gonna think racking up the wins uh this year yeah. so um you know this is still a they're in full-blown rebuild mode because you've got your your gm and your coach anchored to each other with six-year deals so they're coming in and going out together uh kind of thing and uh you know they, and it might be it may not be a talent-rich squad but they've got they've got they've, they're they're building from the ground up and they've got all the salary cap space in the world to try to make something yeah. uh happen so um, third quarter of the year, you have your um, you have your bye week, week ten. But before that, you have your third consecutive home game. You host the Broncos bye week, week ten at Dallas. First game against the Cowboys, week number eleven at Dallas, and then the home game against the Bears. And uh, so we'll see how interesting that ends up uh, being. You know, for you know, like you were mentioning, the Redskins always give the the Eagles trouble. The Bears always seem to give trouble. Uh, to the e or you know to the Eagles or actually I mean that the other way around the Eagles always tend to be a more of a trouble for the Bears than uh, I would like for them to be and then of course then you <laughs> then you go cross country again against the Seattle uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, the first of three consecutive road games uh, uh, again so four out of five after the bye week are on the road and the only home game is against the Bears yeah that's a that's a stretch that's uh, there's some tough games in there you know with with Denver, I don't know what the whole situation there is going to be with the quarterback situation. I'm guessing it'll be, uh, you know, Simeon or, or Paxton Lynch. I don't, I don't know how that's going to play out. And uh, the defense, obviously, is still pretty good. Um, I'm not so sold about the whole quarterback and the offense situation. So um, that'll be an interesting game. I think it'll be tough. Obviously, I think the, the Broncos are still a good team. They didn't make the playoffs, but you know, they they were still a, a pretty good team last year, despite that. And uh, Cowboys. Um, I think they're they're really poised for a step back, not from like thirteen and three to like you know four and twelve or hmm. or six and ten, but I right. think you know they're they're more in the the ten to nine win range all of a sudden than the the dominant season they put up last year. Just because um, you know I've seen Nick Foles play really well and he goes twenty seven and two, and I'm not saying Dak Prescott is Nick Foles, but I'm saying I've seen quarterbacks have really good seasons and all of a sudden they take a step back the next year. So I kind of want to see more out of Dak. Uh, before I totally buy in there, and and part of that is that you know Dallas they they threw the ball the third fewest times of any team last year, which is kind of a joke to me that Dak won Rookie of the Year because you know the real reason for their success was Zeke. You know Zeke is a total beast, and uh, I would have loved to draft him, but you know obviously Dallas has him now, so that's not so great for the Eagles. But um, uh, I think that'll be a tough one. Although I, you know I feel like. The Eagles and Cowboys pretty much always play each other close, so you know these rivalry games can go either way. Um, the Bears game, <laughs> the Bears game. I, I have no idea who the Bears are starting at quarterback this year. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be well? It it's be, uh, it's Lennon. According to everyone, including Mitch Trubisky, this is Mike Lennon's team in 2017. 
Um, and, and when they had their first OTA practice uh, last week, uh, Mike mm-hmm. Glennon said it eight times in ten minutes that this was his team, or this was his <laughs> year. This is my year. 2017 is my year. In one form or another, he said it eight times in ten minutes. So um, that is the point that they're beating into the ground. All the notes on Glennon have been positive. You know, the people are buying into his leadership. He's really leading that quarterback room, so on and so forth. So, you know, it's, you know, another reason why is like, well, why the hell do we draft Trubisky then? You know, the team seems to be responding yeah. to this guy. It's the complete opposite of what we were hearing about Jay Cutler. You know, maybe you hear some fans or fans, some some of his teammates like uh, Kyle Long and stuff, you know, go to bat for, for Cutler and, you know, say positive things about him. But you never hear about this groundswell of support from the team for Jay Cutler. And you're already hearing things like that about Mike Glenn, and we haven't even taken a snap yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just kind of makes you, I mean, because even John Lynch wondered when uh, when they were talking about the talking with the Bears about making the trade. Yeah. He was like, they want Solomon Thomas. And then whoever was on the phone with the Bears, like, believe it or not, I think they want Trubisky. He's like, well, then what the hell did they sign Glennon for? <laughs> so that's exactly what he said. Peter King sitting in the room. That's the, you know, the article that came yeah. out uh, afterwards. Yeah. So it's um, it's going to be Glennon. Barring a disaster, it should be Glennon probably for the entire year. I mean, the Bears right. played it straight as far as their uh, salary cap situation was concerned. They gave him $18 million guaranteed. He's getting 16 of it this year. So basically we can cut bait with him in 2018 if we want to, and mm-hmm. it's only going to be a $2 million salary cap hit. So we'll have to see. I mean, I just <laughs> I, I, I don't know. This is definitely not a Carson Wentz uh, situation. I mean, it sounded very yeah. familiar where we got Glennon. We also have Mark mm-hmm. Sanchez uh, in the room uh, as well, and then we go ahead and we draft – Trubisky, where it's like we have you guys have Bradford, you sign Chase Daniel to a significant amount of money for a backup quarterback, seven million yep. a year for three years, and then you give up draft capital to trade up and get Carson Wentz, and then after after he doesn't basically play a snap in the preseason, he leapfrogs Chase Daniel from three to one to become your starter after you make the the Bradford trade. If that happens in Chicago shoot me okay because i don't (laughs) think it's going to work out as well as it did for the eagles you know seven and nine would be something to really be happy about especially after a three and 13 uh season but um you know i i I don't i don't want trubisky being thrown into the fire at least not not yet anyway we're not ready for him at this yeah i don't think he's ready either (laughs) yeah so and then to wrap up the schedule like i said four out of five to finish off the year uh on the road uh, the fourth quarter of the year at L.A. I think you're the only team that's playing both L.A. teams this year. And not only are you playing both of them, you're traveling to them. So you get to go yeah, to the great. <laughs> and from and from one extreme to the next, you're going to the 30,000 seat soccer stadium to the 90,000 seat Coliseum uh, against the uh, the Rams. Then you're at the Giants and then you finish out with uh, Monday Night Football on Christmas night against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you finish it all off with the Cowboys and wouldn't it be something if that game meant something? Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. cause it hasn't in the past couple of years for the Eagles. Right. They've, they've played these end of, I think it's in the giants the past couple of years and it was always just like a meaningless game. So yeah, that'd be awesome. But before that, um, the LA thing is interesting because the Eagles wanted to, they actually wanted to play both LA teams, uh, back to back, you know, so they wouldn't have to travel back and forth. Right. And I think they're doing okay. that with, uh, Seattle instead. So they're staying out on the West coast after, they play Seattle, so they won't have to travel all the way back home. Um, they'll be staying in L.A. Uh, leading up to the the Rams game that week. So I guess that kind of worked out a little bit for them. 
Um, and then with some of these games here, I'm uh, going back a little bit real quick, but uh, one of the good things about the Eagles' schedule is that they have no teams coming off the bye to play the Eagles this year. Like That's oh. pretty big. Yeah, and and it and in in total fairness, the Eagles got hosed last year. They had to play like three teams coming off the bye, and, and all in a row too. And like two of them were division games on the road. So like that's like as hard as you could have it. Like you're playing two of your most important games of the year against division opponents who are coming off their bye, and it's on the road. Like that, and then the the fourth game uh, after those three was like the Eagles were playing a team coming off Thursday night football. So it was like, they totally just got hosed last year Yeah. in the middle of the schedule. That was part of, uh, I feel like the reason why they slid. But, um, so this year kind of evens out no teams coming off the bye, And a, a couple of those games they have against division opponents are like one of them's coming off a bye, And another one is, uh, the Eagles have Thursday night football and then they get to play the Cowboys or something. So kind of evens out here, but on the back end of the schedule, uh, kind of tough with those three road games. Yep. Rams and then the Giants and then you play the Raiders on Christmas that'll be awesome um, I think that's a really just a, has the potential to be a really fun game there and Raiders are such a good team um, I'm kind of interested to see you know if, if they even become more elite this year and be dominant one seed in the uh, the AFC so I'm really looking forward to that game um, and then with the Cowboys as you said uh, to start this off here with uh uh, a, a huge, potentially huge game could always be meaningless. Hopefully, it's not like it was last year. Um, I would love to see you know the the the, the season come to uh, an end there for the Cowboys. Obviously, right uh, with an Eagles win, I'd love to see that game mean something, or maybe determine seeding in the playoffs or something. There, it would just it would be very cool on New Year's Eve there uh, for the Eagles and Cowboys to have a big game, and and probably honestly looking ahead. Uh, probably, you know, potentially a prime candidate to get flexed into that final regular season of the game of the season on uh, sure, Sunday sure. Night Football there. Yeah, so looking at it all, you know, what is the, what is, let's start with the negative side first. What is the thing that you're least looking forward to this year? Like, what's the thing that, that's this is the cloud that's hanging over us, you know, I'm not looking forward to seeing how this might work out just because. Well, I think it would be Wentz, just from the perspective of like, you know, if he doesn't and take that step forward and especially if we don't see anything early on and it's just like oh no you know he's just this is the rookie season all over again and he's not good enough and what makes it worse now is that the, he has weapons and <laughs> he's not taking that step forward I think that would really that's like the whole x factor of the entire season you know people want to talk about all these off-season additions but if Wentz doesn't take that step forward it kind of just doesn't even mean anything who it doesn't matter who you added because at that point uh your your franchise cornerstone you know, suddenly isn't looking like one, and, and that would be a huge problem. Okay, and on the flip side, what are you looking forward to? Is it still Carson Wentz to see if he can make that step yeah. in, in, in you know, in year number two? Because, you know, especially for quarterbacks, that year from, you know, because nothing is new anymore. It's that they've been through an entire season, and now, especially for Wentz, he's going through the entire offseason as the guy. Whereas opposed when he came in last year during rookie camp and OTAs, he was the guy that was in the background kind of learning. He was getting his snaps, he was getting his reps, but he wasn't the starter. He wasn't being looked at as the guy, and then he was kind of thrust into it at the last moment. But from moment one, from the second that the offseason uh, off began, when the season ended on January 1st till now, he's the guy, it's his team, it's his quarterback room, and he's the one that's delivering the balls to all of the uh, receivers. So, I mean, that's another big chip that he might have 
on his shoulders that he's the guy now and he's got to make that move uh, in year number two. Yes, that's funny because I, you know, I said the negative thing is when, but it's, it's, it is also the positive thing. It's, it's really the the big swing there. Is he is he not going to take that step forward, or is he? Is he going to finally? People are going to see that you know, for for everyone criticizing him on the outside, looking in, you know, like oh, you know, he didn't do this well, and he, you know, he he was struggling and blah blah blah, and and he's a bust or whatever. You know, some people kind of getting carried away with it. Um, you know, I think he could prove them wrong. He kid he could have these weapons here and all of a sudden we're like wow you know maybe he actually looks good now with actually having some nfl caliber players to work with at the wide receiver position and actually having a running back who stays healthy and doesn't fumble all the time so uh that'll be the big make or break factor of this team ultimately and not only the team but just the whole regime in terms of harry roseman uh the team's uh, de facto general manager and and doug peterson the head coach so uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing if Wentz can make that big step and be the guy the Eagles think he can be because, I mean, if he does, I mean, this team is set not only for this season, um, at that point it becomes like it just there's so much optimism for the future. You know, the Eagles could go 8-8 eight and eight this season, but if Wentz looks really good and there's just some other kind of factors there that uh, play out where the team isn't able to make the playoffs, I think everyone still would be thrilled about the direction of this team having – a guy who, you know, they drafted at number two and all of a sudden he looks like this legit quarterback who could be in place for years to come and will give them a, a chance, a reasonable chance at least, to contend every single year. Yeah, kind of like another guy you drafted at number two back in 99. <laughs> so, you know, but I don't think they I don't think they booed Wentz when he got picked the way that they no. did McNabb. I will never, ever forget that. Did, did, did you watch that draft that year? Do you remember I, that I, when it I happened? I didn't, but, but I've seen it many times. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was... Uh, yeah, everyone I mean, rented uh, Ricky Williams. That was the thing. yes. I mean, there were guys painted up, uh, looked like the Road Warriors from the WWF, yep. wearing the shoulder pads with the spikes, and they yep. had Ricky Williams authentic Philadelphia Eagle jerseys on already, yep. screaming obscenities <laughs> at the stage when Donna McNabb's name was called. It's like that's the visual image that I have of is yep. are those Philly fans visually upset and screaming at the stage. As McNabb walks into the into the you know into the New York City Music Hall or uh, uh-huh. Radio Music City Hall is uh, you know to, to to shake hands with the commissioner and everything and he's already the most hated man in Philadelphia just like that so yeah but that turned out to work out okay so he might be one of the one of the best Eagles of all time as it may have uh, yeah. it may shake itself out so um, just on the defensive side you know do mm-hmm. do you have a most looking forward to since since both of the the other ones that most looking forward to and not looking forward to are on the offense. Yeah. Do you have anything on the defensive side that would fit into that? Like what what is what is your biggest dread? Is it still the cornerback position because the top corner that you drafted may not play this year or may not be a one hundred percent if he plays, yeah. and then you know you know you, you drafted another defensive end and you, you know you let somebody go and and so on and so forth. Yeah, the the cornerback position is easily. Uh, the Eagles' biggest weakness, not only on the defense but the whole team right now. It's just very apparent that the the team lacks talent there. Uh, adding Sidney Jones was nice in the long run, and adding Rizzo Douglas, I think, is even nice. Uh, more as a long-run thing than it, you're drafting him just to come in here and be an immediate surefire starter. He'll have a chance to earn a starting job, but it's not like any, by any means you're just throwing him in and being like, all right, you're the guy right away. So um, that's a concern. At the same time, like I'm talking myself into the fact that they can mitigate it a little bit because Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod are two good safeties, so you have those guys on the back end. And I think the Eagles uh, will really help out their secondary 
if this defensive line, as I was talking about uh, when we were talking about the, the Vikings game earlier, uh, if they can really step up and be this elite unit, which I think they have the potential to be because you have Brandon Graham there. And Brandon Graham only had about five or six and a half sacks last year, but he led the NFL in total uh, pressures in terms of combined sacks, hurries, and knockdowns. So that guy is like, like a legitimate player who I think probably doesn't get as much uh, credit as he deserves. And then uh, Connor Barwin is, is a really great guy, you know, total classy guy, did a lot of great things for Philadelphia in the community, off the field especially, but he just wasn't a 4-3 defensive end. And to have him out there in almost like, not every snap, but a majority of the snaps at defensive end last year, it was almost kind of a waste of a play because you would just see him go up against the left tackle and the left tackle barely had to even do anything. So to, to bring Derek Barnett in here, at number 14, I think that guy can play right away. I don't think he's going to be a starter, full-time starter, play all the snaps, but he'll be at least a, a valuable rotation guy. I think he makes a difference. I think Vinny Curry, after having a disappointing season, apparently he was hurt uh, heading into the season last year, so that kind of slowed him down. Uh, if he's healthy, I think he'll, at least in a, in a role, a role-playing situation, he'll boost the pass rush. And then you go sign Chris Long, and I think Chris Long still has something to give as a rotational guy uh, at, at his age. So I, I feel really good about the pass rushers. And I feel really good about the interior because Fletcher Cox, I think, is still a really good player. He's only 26. Uh, he's coming off a season where he got paid to be like an elite player and only played like a very good player. Right. But I think the thing with Fletcher Cox is that adding Timmy Jernigan instead of Benny Logan is huge. And I was a big Benny Logan guy. I love Benny Logan a lot. I wish the Eagles could have kept him. It just didn't make sense price-wise. But Benny Logan's more of a run stuffer. Uh, keep in mind he had been drafted to play nose tackle in the Eagles 3-4 when Chip Kelly was still here. So it's kind of a scheme misfit with him, too. And to add Tim Jernigan in here, who uh, has, like, almost twice the amount of sacks as Benny Logan does in, like, 16 less games played. I mean, he's he's really more of a, a guy who can push the pocket. So I think you have all these guys who can get pressure, uh, especially when they're playing at their best. And I think that could be a situation where the Eagles have this really dominant defensive line. And I think, you know, that could be a blueprint to winning this year as it was in the in that Minnesota game again I don't think it's going to be dominant as dominant week in and week out but I think there's going to be games this year where the defensive line just totally takes over and you kind of forget that the Eagles have a weakness at cornerback well you know as I mean I know it was only week two of last year but that defensive line decimated um the Bears uh in that Monday night game and injured Jay Cutler he was out for five weeks or however long it was and uh and everything and it's just you know, it was it was quite a showing, you know, because uh, we we probably have one of the better interior lines in the league. But yeah. it, it really f- exposed our weakness on the outside with Massia and Lino. And, 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 and thankfully, we did nothing about that uh, in the <laughs> offseason. So uh, we have that to look forward to uh, again. Hopefully we get Massey and Lino from like weeks 10 on because they figured out that they're, it's, it's their job to block, uh, apparently, instead of just being swinging gates uh, for the defensive uh uh, opposition, but uh, instead of you know the guys that were exposed week one, week two against the Texans and the the Eagles uh, last year, so hopefully that will be better. But um, it also like I'm I'm just remembering you know that, that Schwartz is your defensive coordinator. Yeah. That it makes a lot of sense that you guys took us to the woodshed because Schwartz was the head coach in Detroit for several years, so of <laughs> course he knew how to he knew he knew how to handle uh, the Bears. So that made all the sense in the world. So. But, uh, Brandon, thanks so much uh, for coming back. We really appreciate you um, 
being on the show. And, and now that we've gotten rid of all of our technology bugs, we look forward to having you back on for real this time during the regular season when the beloved Chicago Bears match up with the, uh, the Eagles and uh, see how the first game uh, against uh, Alshon uh, turns out for us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. And I got to say, man, uh, I've been to Chicago only once, but it was a great time. I, I love it. It's probably one of the, the favorite cities I've ever been to. So uh, good luck to the Bears this year. Obviously, in the games, they're not playing the Eagles. Uh, right, right. And yeah. All right. Brandon Lee Gowden from uh, Bleeding Green Nation. You guys are doing a podcast now, right? Yeah, BGN Radio. All right. When Do you guys have a routine for that, or is it uh, uh, kind of like the offseason for me? Yeah, it's it's like once a week during okay. the off season, twice a week during the season. We also do we have a radio show uh, on uh, one of the local Philadelphia sports stations here. So oh, cool. uh, yeah, we stay busy. All right, sounds good. So Bleeding Green Nation, SB Nation, if you want to check out the Eagles and uh, BGN Radio, if you want to give them a listen, especially around that time, uh, you know, for the Bears and, uh, and the Eagles. Brandon, thanks so much uh, once again for being on the show, man. I want to thank Brandon again for coming back and being on the show, helping us talk about the uh, Eagles. Look forward to having him back on later in the year, week number 12, when the Bears travel out to Philly to take on Alshon and the Philadelphia Eagles. Will he be on the team? Will it matter? Will the game matter that late in the season? will be interesting uh, to find out. So uh, a couple more things before we go. Um, I have a correction as far as the AFC North shows uh, go. It's... Um, uh, the commitment is from Matthew Stevens, the editor-in-chief of Ravens Wire uh, for USA Today. He will be the one that we have on the show uh, to speak about the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And I uh, was correct in, in Josh Edwards for the Browns, Kyle Phelps for the, um, for the Bengals, for the Bengals, and um, Jeff Hartman uh, for the... Um, for the Steelers, uh, from the SB Nation uh, page uh, for the um, for the Steelers. So, uh, looking forward to having everybody. We got names for everyone. It's it's the the, the Saints is the team uh, that I was thinking about. The Canal Street Chronicles is the SB Nation page for the Saints. They have a I have a commitment from them that somebody will be on the show, but I don't know who it will be at this time. But we still got a little time before we have to worry about uh, the NFC South. So. Um, uh, Kyle Phelps for the Bengals, um, uh, Matthew Stevens for the Ravens, Jeff Hartman for the Steelers, uh, kicked off by um, Josh Edwards from 24-7 Sports for the Cleveland Browns kicking off uh, this weekend. So keep your eyes open for when those shows get recorded, when they're going to be released, so on and so forth. So uh, I believe that will do it for everything that we have here uh, this time around, uh, talking about the Eagles and uh, closing the book on our same place opponents. Now we move on to the divisions. And like I said, the AFC North is up first before we move on to the NFC South and then close things down with the NFC North and our beloved Chicago Bears. So keep an eye open this weekend. Uh, I think I'm believe, I believe I'm talking to Josh on Friday, so could be keeping an eye open Saturday, Sunday at the absolute latest. Don't know how crazy my weekend's going to be uh, coming up. My niece is graduating from middle school. She can't believe she's going to high school already. And um, there's probably a graduation party in there somewhere that I have to attend. So uh, I will keep you guys abreast of what's going on with the show. So stick to the Twitter page or the Twitter feed at Shy Bears Review or visit the Facebook page. Just search Chicago Bears Review in the search box. 
boom, it'll come right up. Like and join the page. Get the get a discussion started. Any questions, comments you have about the show, feel free to go ahead and share them with me. Or you can email me at uh, with Chicago Bears Review at Yahoo.com. Uh, so I think that's going to do it. Closing the book on the Eagles and the 49ers, shutting down the same place opponents, moving on to the AFC North. So until next time, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.